is in the seat back in front of you, there is a slip of paper that says on it, my sin, my shame, my guilt. So I'd like to ask you to go ahead and have that handy. Go ahead and grab one out of there and have it handy, because I'm going to tell you to do something with that in just a moment. So go ahead and reach in the seat back in front of you and grab one of those. And uh, we're going to begin uh, to talk about a picture. I want, there's a picture that the Bible gives us that is very helpful for us understanding the meaning in a deeper way, the meaning of the death and the resurrection of Christ. But before I actually get to that picture, I need to explain a couple things. One is that we need to understand there's a difference between an Eastern culture and a Western culture. Now, the Bible is, comes out of an Eastern culture, and most of us tend to think with the framework of a Western culture. So I want to tell you some of the differences that will help us in understanding as a kind of background before we plunge into this. One of the things that is very different in a Western culture than an Eastern culture is that a Western culture thinks very individually, where an Eastern culture tends to think very communally. The, folks in the, the, in the focus on an Eastern mindset is not so much me as it is we. It's about community. And uh, most of our presentations of salvation in the West are individualistic. And the Bible says a lot more than just when I repent and believe in Christ as my Savior and Lord, I have my sins forgiven, and when I die, I go to heaven. It also points out, again, understand the Eastern mindset, that when you, be, when you repent and believe in Christ, you become part of the people of God. You become part of a forgiven community. You become part of a family and all the benefits that go with that. That's emphasized in the Eastern mindset. So in the Eastern mindset, it's not so much that you just come to believe. It's that you also come to belong. You become part of this family. And God greatly values community, and he wants us to benefit from all those benefits that come from being part of community. So what are some of those benefits? What are some of the benefits if I really become part of this family of God? What, how does it benefit me? Well, I'd like you to hear from some of those who are part of this family as they share their testimony about what community means to them. Let's listen to this. Well, community to me, it was kind of an enigma. I didn't mean to, but I abandoned the actual church community that I was a part of. I I went to the military and I, I focused on that and I lost my way for a little bit. Um, I got out and I had difficulty on my own and I was very surprised because, you know, I, I thought I could figure it out. Hey, I got a Bible. Hey, I got the internet. But there's nothing like being with people that truly care about you, that can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. And since I've been here at Grace and since I've been a part of the young adults group, I've really been able to, to hear and discern what God is trying to tell me to do in my life. and. I've been able to, to find opportunities to serve, and that's one of the main things that I was looking for, and I, I wasn't able to find it. Being in community with other believers has always been important to our family. Ever since we moved hundreds of miles away from our physical family to Texas over 40 years ago. Over the years, it was the people that we shared with in community who celebrated the good things in our life and walked with us through the hard times. Never was that more true than during the last months of my husband Bernie's life at the end of 2017. It was the people that brought snacks and meals and fuzzy socks and hugs 
during the 15 days that Bernie was in the ICU. They prayed faithfully and fervently for him, and they were there with us to celebrate his life when he went on to be with Jesus. But it didn't stop there. In the last 15 months, these same people have cried with me and my family and shared meals with us and sent notes of love and encouragement and given me advice about my car and the plumbing and finances. And they've given me countless hugs week after week. I truly thank Jesus for loving me so well through my community here at Grace. What blessed me the most when we got here at Grace was the authenticity of the people uh, that we've noticed. Everyone was really real and the leadership and their ability to, you know, to be free uh, and welcoming and how we have free access to them on a regular basis. The small groups and uh, different services that they encourage us to get into, uh, that really helped us grow as, as a couple. So if you are interested in joining a community or being part of a community, take time to go to our website at gracearlington.com. See if there's a place where you can serve, if there's a place where you can get connected so that you can grow the way that we've been able to grow here at Grace for the last seven years. You know, there's so many benefits to really being part of community. And what we want to do is I want to, on behalf of our church family, extend an invitation to those of you who maybe this is your first time here or you're fairly new or you come occasionally, I want to extend an invitation to become part of the family, become part of our community. Come back next Sunday and the Sunday after that and look for ways in which you can really get connected and really develop and fulfill your God-given calling. So you're invited to be part of our family. Now, I want to go back to understanding the difference between Eastern culture and Western culture because I'm going to paint a picture that's going to be very helpful, but we need to understand, again, the differences between these two mindsets. In the Eastern culture, they tend to think in terms of pictures, in terms of images, in terms of metaphors. In a Western culture, we tend to think in terms of lists and definitions and propositions. See, in Eastern culture, which is, again, is the, is the you know, world of the Bible, they are thinking in visual terms. You know, images and visuals to ponder the meaning of. Images that God has given us to help us understand things. So, as we consider what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross and then rising again, there is an image I want you to get from the Old Testament that is very helpful for us understanding what he's done for us. And the image actually comes out of the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 16. Many of you might have that passage memorized, but go ahead and look on with me. Leviticus chapter 16 talks about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And again, it's important to understand the word atonement means to cover over, to have your sins covered over. All right, let's look at this. Leviticus chapter 16, let's start in verse 2, verse 3. It says, And the Lord said to Moses... Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, the ark of the covenant, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bowl for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So the day of atonement is centering around the activity of the high priest. The high priest of Israel would enter into the holy of holies 
one day a year in order to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the whole nation. That's why it's called the Day of Atonement. And so what we see is that the first thing he's got to do is he's got to offer a sacrifice for his own sins. Let's read this. Leviticus 16, verse 5 and 6. And he shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household. So the whole ceremony begins with the high priest offering a sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of his household. Why? So he could be purified to then go and offer the sacrifice for the sins of the nation. So let's see what happens next. Verse 7. And he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. So now get this image. This picture is going to be very important. There's two goats. Now, remember, the issue in atonement is there's the covering over of sin, and there's also the removal of sin, the taking away of sin. Now, it's one thing to have your sins covered over. It's quite another thing to have your sins totally removed. So one goat is offered as on the altar of sacrifice. This goat is killed. Again, the shedding of blood is necessary. The shedding of blood is always necessary for the forgiveness of sins. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus obviously fulfills that first goat. He fulfills that when he dies on the cross for our sins. His blood is shed for us. He dies in our place. He takes the penalty we deserved, dies our death. Okay? Now, in order for us to kind of make sure we're following along, I want us to do a little exercise. And that is, I told you guys to locate in the seat back in front of you this little slip of paper that says on it, my sin, my shame, my guilt. What I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you, there's, there's pins in the seat backs too, and, and if you're in the front row, reach behind you or something, but write your, just your first name there. And if you're uncomfortable doing that, write your initials. But something that identifies you here. No one's going to see these, but I want you to really know this identifies you. So go ahead and put your name there, and we're going to do something here in just a moment. What we're going to do is as the worship team is going to come back up and we're going to sing a song, Nothing But the Blood. Jesus fulfills that first goat. His blood was shed. Jesus' blood was shed for us on the cross to atone for our sins, to cover them over. And you're going to take this little slip of paper with your name on your initials and you're going to go to the, one of the communion tables and you're going to put it in the basket underneath the communion elements. There's a picture here I want you to have in your mind. The atonement of covering over your sins, the communion elements reminding us of the death and resurrection of Christ and what it does for us, removes, you know, covers over our sin, and put that underneath in that basket as we sing this song. So let's all stand together and feel free to move around the room and put these under that basket, and we'll move on from there.
Okay, you may be seated. So that first go, Jesus fulfills the atonement covering over of our sins and by the shedding of his blood on the cross. But he also fulfills the second goat. And this is what a lot of Christians don't really seem to get. And that he fulfills the scapegoat. Let's explain what that means. Let's go ahead and read Leviticus 16, verse 5. It says, I'm sorry, 16, verse 10. It says, but the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Now, the word for scapegoat is Azazel. Everybody say Azazel. Azazel. Say it again, Azazel. Azazel. That's an important word here. It literally means to take away. There's also the name of this goat, the scapegoat, is Azazel. Now, here's the general idea, and this picture is really important for us to get. The idea is this, that the high priest would lay his hands on this goat, and when he did, he would transfer the sins of the nation, all the sin, all the shame, all the guilt of the nation on to that goat. And then that goat would be led out into the wilderness. He would take away all the sin, the shame, and the guilt of the whole nation, and he'd go out into the wilderness. So imagine that scene. Get that picture in your mind. So just picture all your sins and all your guilt and all your shame going on to that goat on the Day of Atonement, and then the goat is being led into the wilderness and it's all taken away. Now, why does God give us this picture? I think it's because God would say, because I know how you are. I know that even though you've been told your sins are forgiven, they're covered over, you're still, you're still wearing the guilt of it, the shame of it. And he wants us to have this picture that he's taken all of that away. All of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, he takes away. That's the picture he wants the people of God to get. That's the picture that Jesus fulfills when he dies for our sins on the cross. He doesn't just cover them over, he takes them away. Now I want you to notice the ritual now involving the scapegoat. Let's skip down to verse 20. Leviticus 16, 20. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel, all their transgressions in regard to their sins. He shall lay them on the head of the goat and then send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. And the goat shall bear on itself all that iniquity to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Actually, they were a little concerned that the goat might wander back. So they actually pushed it off a cliff once they got out there to make sure that goat didn't come back. Nobody wants that goat. That's a loaded goat. Well, they don't want that goat in their backyard. Okay. So this man who would lead this goat into the wilderness was going to be a Gentile because no Jew wanted to be anywhere near that goat. So it was a Gentile that was appointed to do this. Now, this is serious. I want you to think about this. They actually believed that God could take their sins and shame and guilt away. Imagine that. They really believed that God could take it away. And God gives them a picture so they could really grasp this. This is, at, this is really at the core of what it means to live a redeemed life, the life that God intends us to live, a life of release and freedom. Not a life of constantly carrying the burden of your shame and your guilt. 
Again, Jesus fulfills this picture for us. When he dies on the cross for our sins, he not only covers them, he takes them away. So my question for you today, is there anything that you're carrying around today? Are you carrying around any shame? Are you carrying around any guilt? Are you carrying around the burden of your sin? You know, are you carrying around this uh, unforgiveness for somebody, towards somebody else, resentment? Are you carrying around the stain of something that happened to you, but you still carry the stain of it with you? Are you carrying around some addiction at night in the Internet that nobody knows about but you? What is it you're carrying around today? What God wants us to do is God wants us to understand he doesn't want us to carry this anymore. He wants us to release it onto Christ who fulfills that picture of taking our sin away, that scapegoat picture, taking it all away, take away the shame, the guilt, the stain, all of it, take it away and be released and free to live for God. Now, I think what we need at this point is a live goat to show you something. I don't know where we're going to find a live goat. Um, oh, here comes one right now. How about that? What are the chances of having one handy? And so as Ron leads this live goat up here, I want, I want us to really see how this works. So Kevin's bringing all of, all of the slips of paper that were underneath all the communion tables, all of the sin and the shame and the guilt of everyone in here, we're going to put on this goat. In order to do that, I'm putting in these saddlebags. And so yours is part of it. And we're going to jam them all in here. We're not, don't worry, if we pick, drop some, we're going to get them. Don't say, wait a second, that's mine. Make sure you get that on the goat, okay? We'll get them all in here. All right, let's go this side. Hey, give a hand for Kevin. Is he awesome or what? Here, all right. <clears throat> okay, we got him. All right, so now what we're going to do is we are going to kind of ceremonially, we are going to place all of this on our little goat friend. Okay, so now this goat is carrying all of our Sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame. This is a picture that God wants us to have. Okay? There's another picture. Now, another thing you need to understand is they also would take a red cord. And they'd place a red cord. High priest would place a red cord on the head of this goat. And because this was a symbol of, this red being a symbol of shed blood. Now, our blood's not being shed because... There's another heaven, their bloodshed on our behalf. Now, I want you to understand what happened with this red cord is because after, once they led the goat out, they would take their red cord and put it on the altar. And then that year, mysteriously and miraculously, that red cord would turn white. Nobody knows how, but it did. What did Isaiah say? Though your sins are Red as scarlet, they shall become whiter than snow. Did Isaiah just pull this out of the air? Or did, had he seen something that he didn't understand but was very real? So this is a very important picture, but I want you to understand, too, that 
that Jesus actually fulfills the second goat, the scapegoat, the Azazel. And I want you to see this parallel now. In John 19, it's a very important passage. In John 19, I want you to see what happens here. It says in verse 1 that Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, whipped him, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed it on him, on him a purple robe. So a crown of thorns is pushed down on Jesus. So what color did Jesus' head and face become? Red. So I want you to have this picture in your mind. Now it doesn't stop there. All right, I want you to notice what happens next in John 19. Because Remember, the word Azazel means to take away. Keep that in mind. Azazel, take away. It's also what this scapegoat's called, Azazel. All right? So let me ask you a question. Pilate asked the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus? What did the crowd shout? Before that. Let's see. Look at the passage. The passage now, John 19, 14. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold your king. Therefore they cried out. Take him away. Take him away. Then they said, crucify him. They were crying out, Azazel. Azazel. Jesus is our Azazel. He doesn't just atone for our sins by covering them over. He atones for our sins by taking them away. He takes our sin away. He takes our guilt away. He takes our shame away. Now, remember, the man who led the goat out into the wilderness, was he a Jew or Gentile? Gentile. The Romans who led Jesus outside the city to crucify him were the Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. And they led the Azazel out. Out of the city to crucify him. Jesus is our Azazel. Let me just ask you, is there anything today, just think again, ceremony that you need to place on this goat as he's, he's about to walk out of here? Anything, any burden, you just need to say, you know, I don't need to carry this anymore. I'm, I'm not carrying this shame anymore. I'm not carrying this guilt anymore. I want, I'm laying on this guilt. Again, this is a picture of what Jesus does for us. Jesus fulfills it. But the picture's important to us. So is there anything you need to lay on this goat as he's about to leave this building here? Anything? Just think about it. And we've just filled him up. He's loaded up with all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt. And now is a very sober ceremony time when the goat would be led away. It's one loaded goat right there. Just think about that. All of our sin, all our shame, all our guilt, all our stain, all our regret, all everything is all now being Azazel taken away. And now you could live with release and freedom and peace and joy. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. It was confirmed by the resurrection. He is our Azazel. So here is a parting word I want you to think about. Next time the devil plays all your sins to you and failures on the big screen TV of your mind and tells you that you're, too, you're not worthy, you're not good enough to serve God, he puts, he puts all the guilt and shame on you. Next time he does that, I want you just to say out loud to the devil, the goat has left the building. <laughs> Say it with me now. The goat has left the building. And Jesus fulfills that for us when he dies on the cross and rises again. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and let's sing the song.
Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before we close in prayer, I just want to invite you, if you have a prayer request, we'll have some leaders in each of the four corners. We'll be glad to pray for you. And also, if you'd like to talk to someone more about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll be glad to talk with you. Now, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this great day. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on everyone here, every family represented. We pray your blessing on every gathering represented. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you be magnified all over the earth like never before on this day. And we pray in your name. And everybody says, amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Happy Easter, everybody.